Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. In 1980, a movie came out called The Gods Must Be Crazy. If you've seen it, you probably have a smile on your face just from this reference to it. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I loved it, and contrary to my usual preference of not seeing the same movie repeatedly, this has been an exception. It is quaint, original, funny, thought-provoking, and even seamlessly somewhat educational. It strikes people very individually, so no promises you will like it, but I think you will, and it would make for a fascinating discussion with adults and older children alike. One of the recurring quotes during the movie by different characters in a variety of situations is, I don't want to think about it. Of course, they are thinking about whatever it is they don't want to think about. I think that is true for many of us at different times when the subject of God or gods comes to mind. This might especially be true when we hear the R word. Religion. What do you think when you hear that word? Can you remember a particular person or event related to it when you think of it? Say it out loud. How does it make you feel? Do you know why you feel that way when hearing or saying that word? The word religion conjures up a whole host of various meanings and responses. For some, it may be purely academic. For others, there may be no interest whatsoever. Still others may have an incidental connection to it, and, of course, there are those who are especially passionate, both for their brand of it and or against some or all of it, and the response can be visceral. In any case, religion, in one form or another, is a huge part of this world and always has been. Some have even argued that there is such a thing as secular religion meaning many who cast off traditional forms of religion actually replace their religious observance by taking up causes and treating them with a similar fervor and devotion. Everyday parlance has us using the word religiously in reference to non-religious attitudes and activities. It's not unusual to hear that in reference to one who closely follows a sport and or a team. There are a ton of religious philosophies and organizations around the globe. There are many religious founders and followers who share their messages or whose messages have been passed down through the ages. I think most religions have a common theme. See if you agree. Most religions are all about following certain, usually well-defined rules and required rituals. In some cases, they even include sacrifices of life, animals, and humans. These religions usually come with specific rewards and punishments based on how well or how poorly the rules are being followed and the rituals performed. Typically, the idea is to, through performance, earn status or rank while ascending toward and maybe even becoming like a deity. Hopefully, the effort will be rewarded in somehow arriving to a state of acceptance, if not perfection. Is the effort worth it? Does anyone really arrive? Or is keeping the gods satisfied enough of a goal? Then, of course, what goes up can and usually does fall down. So some forms of punishment may cause a restart at another level. This approach to religion is comfortably common to most people. We can fairly quickly relate to the general concepts. We just have to change the details of what we focus on and the prescribed behaviors and procedures. The practice of Christianity has not been immune from this common theme of religion. 
Many have preached and continue to preach a form of Christianity that includes a lot of what we expect in a religion. For example, there may be required activities and specific behaviors for desired blessings. Otherwise, there is a risk of getting denounced. There are some really warped ideas about promises for health and wealth. Some are even willing to speak for God. Of course, there's a whole lot more. If you grew up in a Christian church setting, you can probably add to this list from your own experiences. It's no wonder many, perhaps most people, see Christianity as just another variation on religion. There seems to be an awful lot in common with all the others. While there is no good reason for that to be the case, there are some rationalizations for it. However, Christianity is significantly different from most other religions. It is based on the person, extraordinary claims, and performance of Jesus Christ. In case you were wondering, the word Christ is a title for Jesus, which means anointed one. There are no shortage of different thoughts, ideas, perceptions, and speculations about Jesus. I suspect most of these are based on observations people have made of Christians and, of course, a lot of shared ignorance. It seems to me most people, even in a culture where Christianity is well-known, don't really know the life, love, and characteristics of Jesus. Caricature and distortion of one kind or another is really quite prevalent. Obviously, Christians generally have not done a great job of teaching and living a Jesus kind of life. If there is a common element to these distortions, it may lie in the difficulty we humans have in comprehending the grace of God. The concept and understanding of the grace of God is quite foreign to human nature, thinking, and feeling. Christianity goes straight to what God has for us, not what we have for God. Right off the bat, God offers us a gift. Our acceptance of that gift allows us to join with Him in a relationship. It really is hard to get our heads around the idea that we don't have to somehow have something to do so we can earn our way to connecting with God. It's almost like we want or need our attitudes, behaviors, thoughts, and feelings to have to improve to be acceptable to God. Work hard. Strive for a good goal. Have something to prove your value and worth. However, that is diametrically and diabolically opposed to who Jesus is and what he wants. How can that be? Almost everything in our life experience contradicts that idea. If we know anything, it is that we must compete, compare, improve, measure up to some standard to qualify for achievement. That's the way life works. Christianity can be counterintuitive that way, so we can easily be tempted to invent ways to blend that into Christianity. We need to fill in some perceived gaps to make us feel better. But that is just plain wrong. It may be hard to believe, but Jesus is not all about rules, scorekeeping, measuring up or down, and doing or not doing. What? Let's say this again. Jesus isn't all about rules, scorekeeping, measuring up or down, and doing or not doing. But let's face it, this is so very foreign to our way of thinking, culture, and how we are wired as humans. So, we can read the biographies of Jesus called the Gospels and miss the essential and quite obvious characteristics of Jesus. Somehow our brains blind us to the overwhelming presentation of the real love and obvious caring actions Jesus is constantly demonstrating. Maybe it's like he is too hard to relate to, or maybe our pride will take a hit and we may not be ready for that. Maybe we are afraid that we won't at all measure up to him. 
That may have been what I was dealing with over the many years of reading their biographies. Many, many times. I can relate to other people who seem to have similar experiences to my own. Joy, grief, loneliness, heartache, regret, hope, disappointment, anger, insecurities, and so on. But how can I relate to Jesus? He is always on an impossibly high pedestal, perfect in every way. While I can accept that he is that way, it's tough to relate to someone like that. So, let's go to the source again. Let's try to find out who the real Jesus is and what he wants for us. In the Jesus biography written by one of his followers, Matthew, look at the quote of Jesus in chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What he says about himself is really quite different from what he has often thought of and how he is portrayed. If he is all about rules and measuring up to some impossible standard, he would be a shyster, a fraud, to make that kind of invitation and offer. But he isn't. He is God and well capable of keeping incredible promises like this. When you hear his words, what does it tell us about who Jesus is and what he wants for us? The first thing I hear is, Come, come to me. You are invited. You are important to me. I want us to get together. I want to have a relationship with you. His love is speaking to each of us. The next thing I hear is, You don't have to be perfect or even good. I know you have struggles. Life is hard, sometimes very hard. You may be weary, drained from the demands. You may be going through cares and burdens that are heavy to carry. I know you are exhausted from striving to be good, or even just a bit better. You are living with the weight of rules that you can't fully live up to. None of that will come between us. Just come to me and I will give you relief and rest. Do you hear these words from him too? His care is genuine, and he really can help. It just keeps getting better. He is now saying, Partner with me. Let's join together in life's journey. When you do, I will teach you what makes life better than you can ever imagine. I won't berate you or beat up on you for weaknesses or failures. I teach with gentleness and humility. I am living my life now as a human just as you are and can relate to your life experiences. I want to share what I have to offer with you. It will make a huge difference. If you do partner with me, you will finally be able to take a breath, a deep soul breath. You will be able to relax and rest. Jesus is telling me he is safe, sensitive, wise, and good, a protector of our souls. He finishes by saying to me, It isn't hard to be in a relationship with me. I am very easy to get along with. You will see that I want the best for you. I will not weigh you down with things that will add stress to your life. In fact, I will help you reduce stress. So he's promising relief, not more pain. He is very comfortable and pleasant to be with. Being with him is a wonderful and beautiful place to be. And it is life-changing. This is who Jesus is and what he wants for us. Are you catching his vision for us? With all the distortion and confusion about Jesus, who would have guessed? Going to the source does help. 
Taking it at face value helps. Dumping our preconceived notions based on non-source assumptions helps. This turns religion on its head. This is upside down, backwards, totally inverted. This is no humanly created religion. A creator God who wants to have a personal, loving relationship with us that gives genuine hope for a better life? Is it too good to be true? Maybe. Truth does matter. If you haven't already, it's worth considering, or even reconsidering. In another biography of Jesus, written by another follower named John, another Jesus quote is usually quite familiar, an expression about truth. He says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. A bit later, after saying this, Jesus said, So if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. The expression, makes you free, is significant. It suggests that within ourselves, the kind of freedom that comes from truth doesn't really exist unless we have truth. There is a spiritual place within us that longs for freedom, and without truth, no freedom is there. This spiritual place can be more or less ignored or contemplated with a lot of searching, but there is no real satisfaction as long as we are imperfect, unless we settle for something less. But even then, there is still no real freedom. Or we can just say, I don't want to think about it. However, Jesus can make freedom happen for us. Jesus is God. Jesus is truth. He can't fill that longing with a freedom that goes beyond what we can do for ourselves. Jesus as deity tells us who he is and what he wants for us. He wants a loving relationship in which we can experience rest, truth, and freedom. Is this the Jesus you know about and actually know? What does it take to know him in a way that we can experience this kind of relationship with him? As we talked about in the last episode, he has extended an invitation to us to accept what he has done for us, rescuing us from evil, and then join him for eternity. To do that, I know we do have to get past ourselves a bit. As much as we may want, we can't make ourselves like him. But all it takes is just a hint of belief on our part. Belief that he is God, that he can and has provided a way out of our doomed life, and propels us past our egos. We simply make a profound choice to accept his invitation to have a relationship. The rest is all up to him. We are free to find the truth in him and learn from him. Our lives will never be the same, now and forever. Circling back to the beginning of this episode, are you willing to think about it? Do you see now how the concept of grace can be so difficult in some ways? How it's not only about who we are, but who he is? How it's not about what we do, but what Jesus has done? How it's not about our performance, for better or worse, but about who Jesus is and what he has done for us and wants for us? How it's about love, grace, rest, truth, and freedom in the person of the real Jesus? To know him is to love him. His grace is truly amazing. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process together, please know your thoughts and or questions are welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.